Hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of the B-Roll Podcast, the sci-fi film, television, show, web short, review podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm the other host, Chris. Hey Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, buddy. How about yourself? Eh, Not too bad, not too bad. Staying busy, staying indoors. It's too hot. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I live for that those two months a year, the one in the fall and the one in the spring where I can just go outside and hang out. I should move to a different climate. That's <laughs> not the point. Nah. Uh, so as I mentioned, the B-Roll podcast, uh, we review sci-fi and sci-fi adjacent visual media. Every Monday, we re- review a movie, and Thursdays are a crapshoot. We do television pilots. We'll do web, uh, web shorts or miniseries or short films, whatever we feel like doing. Uh, today's a Thursday episode, so Chris, tell me, what did we watch? We watched the animated Star Trek Lower Decks. It's a brand new series on yeah. CBS All Access, which I believe is our first CBS All Access episode. It is, because I did not have CBS All Access prior to <laughs> doing this, so definitely is. Uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They finally well, got I mean, me on that 30-day trial. I say that. I had it for a while. It watched, you know, some episodes of Picard, some episodes of Discovery, and then yeah. just too much too much stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, it has a lot more on there, that, and this is not, I mean, I might cut this because this is definitely, we're not sponsored at all, but I was surprised to see that there was a lot more on there than just CBS. Look, had some BET, some Nickelodeon, some other stuff. My wife and I did watch a lot of uh, 60 Minutes. I think that's on CBS All Access, right? Hold on. I'm not sure. 60 Minutes. Yeah, 60 Minutes. I was just going to say that when all that, um, the Stormy Daniels Trump stuff went down, this is not a political thing. My wife and I watched a lot of 60 Minutes when that stuff came out. Oh, really? You were just (laughs) trying to stay on the up and up? (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to know what's going on. Oh, Uh, man. All right. But yeah. So we watched Star Trek. It was our first animated show. No, it's not. it's It's our second animated show. We watched and reviewed Transformers War for Cybertron. Um, This might be the first animated show, depending on the release order. So it may or may not be our first released animated show, which is our second (laughs) one recorded. It's our first one for CBS Access, and it's our first, I want to say, big mainline franchise. Intellectual property? Yeah, it's our first big intellectual property, yeah, Yeah. that we've done. So it's a lot of firsts. You are forgetting Artemis Fowl, of course. I don't, (laughs) I guess, but it's not a big franchise. That's like six books and a crappy movie. Is not the same as, you know, 13 movies, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is the ninth or 10th television show. I can't remember if I counted the original animated series in there. What I I guess I was saying was it is by virtue of being straight to stream something that we can watch because Artemis Fowl was a big production that due to various reasons uh, was released on Disney plus. Right. Did you read about Disney's going to release Mulan on Disney plus, but they're going to charge you $30 to rent it. $30. Let me, let me rephrase that again. $30 to rent it, not to buy it, to rent it, to rent it. So I don't know how long you get to watch it. Now, some people are arguing and I do get where they're coming from that. If you have kids, even if you have the one kid, $30 is less than you would spend on movie tickets, plus snacks, plus the gas required to get to your location in order to watch it in the theater. Maybe. But (laughs) 
It was something that no. we talked about, wasn't it? We said, well, uh, how else are they going to make money off this when we talk about Artemis we Fowl? Did. Well, we they figured out a way to do it. <laughs> so I guess mm. it's it's no different than when you are like on Amazon Prime and you can watch movies for free on Amazon Prime. You do pay, you know, 80, what's it, $90 a year now? For what? For Amazon Prime. No, Amazon Prime is $100 a year unless you're a student. I think it went up oh. from there. Oh, I, I don't think know. It's like I don't think I'm twenty five. I don't think I've actually ever paid for Amazon Prime. It's not important. Uh, don't cancel me, Amazon. No, one hundred nineteen dollars a year. I got Amazon Prime because of how much I was ordering things off of Amazon. I, I saved money that way. Right. I don't think I realized I got access to media for the first year I had it. So, so but you can rent movies. Yeah. For you know five ten dollars depending on when yeah, it was it's like five or six dollars something like that. Real cheap. But thirty. That's $30, even for just myself and my wife, that's still less money than I would spend on movie tickets. Is it? Snacks. Yeah. Was, I mean, okay. even, if we go to, even if we go to the movie theater here in town. I don't buy have, snacks. Okay. Well, <laughs> so I guess that's to the rest of the world. It. No one cares if you don't Yeah, but the snack money doesn't go to Disney anyways. Yeah. But so, still, that's less money that I would end up spending having no, to go to No, that's to ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't agree. I don't agree. I just see the point. I, I think it is ridiculous. No. I I totally am on your side. Disney, if you're hearing this and you care, you need to lower that down to like. If Disney's hearing this. 20. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsor us. All right. We're, we're, we're through the early episode banter. So Star Trek Lower Decks, not to be confused with the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Lower Decks. This is a new animated show created by Mike McMahon. For CBS All Access, um, under executive producer Alex Kurtzman, which I think is, he's doing all of the Star Trek stuff right now for CBS. The last time we had an animated Star Trek show was, of course, Star Trek the Animated Series. And when did that come out? The 60s? 70s? 73 to 74. 73 to 74. There were a few animated shorts for the Trek Shorts series, which I have not seen. Have you watched the Trek Shorts? I didn't know there were Trek shorts. Yeah, they're on CBS Access, so you can go watch mm. on CBS All Access. But they're little short episodes that um, I think mostly it's characters from Discovery. Okay. And you know, like little short stories and things like that. And they've had a few characters from the shorts, or at least one that I know of because it's a big deal where they had a character from the short later end up in an episode. But there's a couple of animated versions of those out there. So that's something they've dealt with a little bit before. But I think even bigger than it being animated, because I don't think that's really that big of a deal. It's the first Star Trek series that is primarily a comedy. It's not the first Star Trek production that's primarily a comedy, but is the first TV series that is primarily a comedy. Oh, you found this funny. I I <laughs> laughed a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I was like, oh, we're gonna have just... heaven. This this has now become the longest podcast. Here's the last shot. episode recorded. <laughs> uh, no, I laughed gonna... a good bit. Go ahead. I was going to say, are you going to finish reading the Wikipedia entry? I wasn't reading the Wikipedia entry. I was going from memory. Oh, it sounded exactly like it. Oh, did it? Star Trek Lower Decks is an American adult animated web television series created by Mike McMahon. It's McMahon or McMahon, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. For CBS All Access, it is part of an expansion of the Star Trek franchise headed by executive producer Alex Kurtzman. It is the first animated series created for all access and the Mm. first animated Star Trek series since the 1973 to 1974 Star Trek the Animated Series. Lower Decks follows the support crew of the USS Cerritos in the year 2380 
McMahon serves as the showrunner of the series. McMahon. McMahon. Well, McMahon. so there yeah. was a girl who lived down my street. And I'm not going to say her first name, but her last name was McMahon, mm. which is spelled the yeah. exact same well, with an O. I knew Jessica. Yeah. There. I'm kidding. I have no idea who you're talking about. Uh, but <laughs> I had a I had a professor in my one year in college whose name spelled the exact same way, and he pronounced it McMahon. Hmm. So, Mike, if you're out there, let us know. Let us know how to pronounce I'm sure name. it's going to be really easy to find an interview with him. <laughs> I, I could, but I'm not going to look it up. Yeah, I'm not going to look it up uh, right now. <laughs> the big thing about this, I think the most divisive thing about this particular Star Trek series is the fact that it's a comedy. Mm. Fair enough. And maybe the word adult in the adult animated web television series. But I think that they've done cross that bridge with Discovery and Picard. And let's be honest, a lot of episodes from the 90s as well that were not exactly <laughs> kid friendly. Star Trek has always been an adult show. You just yeah. didn't realize it because you were too busy wanting the bird of the, the birds of prey to blow oh, yeah. up or the oh, yeah. you wanted to watch, you know, Worf with the Batliths. I mean, I grew you know. up on Star Trek. We watched it every Monday night as a family. It was like a family thing. And then years and years later, when it got syndicated to TNN and then later Spike TV, whenever TNN became Spike TV, they showed like two or was it? It was four Star Trek, the next generation episodes every day. Mm. All through summer or days off from school. That's what we did. Friday night, they would do like the long form versions, like the uncut double episodes. By the time they were doing that, we were watching Deep Space Nine as well. So I think I watched the entire run of TNG again on syndication and Deep Space Nine like that. Some Voyager that way, but not all of it. And even though Star Trek is very adult, I, I don't think it's ever been so adult where they had to censor anything on syndicated cable. Mm. If you're listening to our podcast and you are under the age of 18, you may not even know what syndicated cable is, and that's fine. That's fine, yeah. Essentially, for if anyone doesn't know, what these channels would do is pay for the rights to just broadcast the show. And as far as I'm aware, there was never any, there was never anything censored because the advantage of having a show like Star Trek Next Generation is it's adult oriented, but it's for kids. You know, there's very adult themes that happen, but it's done tastefully and mm. done well. A lot enough. of times, yeah. You can watch it with younger people and people who are maybe not as emotionally mature. Right. So when I look up Star Trek's censored or any just I just did a quick Google search. The only thing I could find of the next generation where it was censored. There's several of the original series, but it's all UK censorship. I guess data makes a reference to the Irish reunification of 2024. And BBC was like, no, we're not. We're not touching that. <laughs> wow. Do we got four more years until Irish reunification? All right. I guess. We already missed the eugenics wars of the 1990s. So this will be the next big thing that Star Trek yeah. gets wrong. <laughs> We're not going to be able to air this episode in the UK, apparently. <laughs> yeah. uh, they can't stop us. It's the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Give me a blurb. You got that IMDb blurb for me? I have the IMDa blurb. Very good. The support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships, the USS Cerritos, have to keep up with their duties, often while the ship is being rocked by a multitude of sci-fi anomalies. All right. Yeah. I like it. You know what we didn't do? Is we didn't explain to the listeners what our podcast actually does. <laughs> no, we're going to break down our, so our agenda. We've done the blurb, so we're going to give our initial thoughts on everything. Uh, Chris will go first because I'm a just a caring and giving person. Uh, we're going to do a plot breakdown where 
we're going to spoil the crap out of everything. We're probably going to spoil the crap out of everything in the intro. Be warned. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get final thoughts. So sometimes opinions are swayed. We'll give our recommendations at the end, our thoughts about where they could go, that type of thing. Are you sure you want me to go first? I do, actually. Sorry, before you go first, you are a much bigger Star Trek fan than I am. And I think that people should know that before we start giving our opinions. Fair enough. You have a Star Trek tattoo. It is in my skin. Out of all the things in my life that have been constant, Star Trek is probably... Star Trek video games are probably the two most constant things in my life. For the most part, everything else has gone by the wayside. Sure. Sports, childhood friends. Oh, that hurts. All right. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't friends until I was 21 or 22, whichever one came first. Whichever one. (laughs) (laughs) We are talking about Star Trek. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? they all it all blends together. But yeah, no, I've always I've always enjoyed the Star Trek. On other episodes of this podcast, I have made clear my distaste and disdain for several Star Wars things. But uh just know, internet, that comes from a place of love. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when Star Wars is bad, because I can't watch it. I don't like the fact that I can only watch five out of nine movies. Yeah. In the actual quote unquote Skywalker trilogy or Skywalker saga. I don't like that. I don't I don't I don't like that I can't watch movies about a thing that I love. I can watch all the Star Trek movies. How did we devolve into talking about Star Wars so quickly? No, no, I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just letting people know that sure. Whenever I make fun of Star Wars on this podcast, it's not because I hate Star Wars. I right. I love it. It's because I hate good. no. Same same. <laughs> Speaking of this show Before I give my opinion, I just want to lay out the facts. These are the facts, ladies and gentlemen. On Rotten Tomatoes, the show has a 63% average tomato meter from critics and a 32% average audience score. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to point out that another show created by this person, Mike Mahan, McMahon, McMahon, sorry, Rick and Morty has 94%. Fresh, critical rating, and a 93% average audience score. Now, I'm not going to compare this show to Rick and Morty because I haven't watched enough of Rick and Morty to know anything about it. But I feel like that audience score may be just people getting tired of this particular, I don't even want to say brand of humor or sense of humor, whichever one it is. But I don't know if I liked this show. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I thought it, I mean, the animation was great. Oh, yeah. The animation's fantastic. All the references, I think, were pretty good. In terms of spoofing Star Trek as an idea, Star Trek as a place, Star Trek as a as a theme, I thought everything was right on target. Like the whole, at the, the ending sequence where the doctor discovers the way to synthesize a cure for this zombie madness that's taken over the ship and then takes all the credit, hmm. despite the fact that they had no idea what was going on. You know, that I think you can rip that directly from an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation oh, yeah. or or the original series or Deep Space Nine or Voyager, any one of them. I don't know. I just there was something about this episode and, and maybe because it's the first episode. And since I haven't watched enough of Rick and Morty to know anything about this mm. guy's sense of humor, I just I don't know if I think it was good or not. So he was a writer on Rick and Morty uh, and producer for the first three seasons. Yeah, He was promoted to showrunner in the fourth season, but left during production. So a lot of people are comparing this to Rick and Morty because it's the biggest thing that he's done prior to this. 
but I don't, I like Rick and Morty. I watched all of it. I don't think the humor is the same at all. And I don't think you can bear the, uh, the animation style at all either. Cause it's, he's not an animator. So I mean, that, that link is completely gone. Right. I think that a lot of people are seeing, oh, it's a funny show that had one of the people from Rick and Morty on it. And obviously they're using that in a lot of the, uh, the marketing because people love Rick and Morty. So they're trying to, you know, capitalize on, on that connection besides it being sci-fi and animated and I guess a comedy, but I, I think, I, don't know, I guess I just listed three things that they're, they're similar. They're in the same genre, <laughs> I guess, but it, it ends very quickly. You know, they Rick and Morty is a, sure. As a spoof on doc Brown and, marty yeah i don't know i just wanted to interject because of the rick and morty connection i think is upsetting a lot of people because people are maybe they're tired of it or they just it's cool to hate the things that are popular right sure which i mean we've all been guilty of at one point or another in our growth as humans i don't see that connection as far as the tone or the visual style that type of thing carry on i didn't mean to interrupt for so long no it's fine you know I've, I have plenty of friends who love Rick and Morty, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with Rick and Morty. It just wasn't it wasn't my bag, you sure. know. And I'm not saying that this show isn't my bag because I've watched an episode. We watch yeah. the pilot of a TV show, and then we give our initial thoughts, and we, for lack of a better word, judge the show based on that pilot. Right, right. And I just I just don't know if I like it or not. I don't know if I think it's good. A 32% rotten audience score is pretty telling. Now, again, you are, you might be right where people are just hating on the new thing or they're Mm -hmm. hating on the popular thing. I mean, I I don't really see how you can't make the comparison where this guy, Mike McMahon, he is the creator of a show called Solar Opposites, which uses almost the exact same animation style as Rick and Morty. And he probably got the opportunity to make this show based solely on the work he's done on Rick and Morty. Sure. I mean... I'm not again. Yeah. I'm not comparing the two shows. I've never, never even heard of Solar Opposites, so I can't, I can't say. Well, I looked it up before we started. Hmm. It was created for Fox, shelved, and then bought by Hulu. It was debuted on May eighth, twenty twenty. Oh, pretty recent then. Okay, ninety percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes from critics. Yeah, I mean, as of as of the time of this article was written, which I don't have, uh, nine uh, June 9th, twenty twenty. Okay. So okay. What about the other thing that he did with Star Trek? I don't know. He did anything else with Star Trek. The TNG season eight Twitter feed. Uh, I don't know what that is. So yeah, so, um, I'll, I'll send it to you. Hold on. Okay. It's in the discord. Okay. So it is plots for the unaired eighth season of Star Trek. So I think this also helped bring him in to the Star Trek side of things. Okay. I just, I didn't know you'd never seen this before. Alien monks think Riker is a demon and trap him in an orb. Data and Jordy decide to make a movie together. It's terrible. <laughs> so it's it's obviously kind of comedy. Uh, Picard right. wrestles with the ethical ramifications of altering a murderer's memories. Also, someone pooped in the holodeck and now it's ruined. It's a lot of that. He did this, which I remember following a couple of years ago. I mean, he, he's done some other stuff. He's written right. for Drawn Together in South Park. Mm. It's cool. I mean... Yeah. Again, like I said, I'm not I'm not trying to compare the shows. I'm just simply sure, stating, sure, sure. based on the historical information that we have, what people think about the show. And I just, I don't know. Like, yeah. all the references were on point. I didn't find a whole lot funny. And it may have been because I was also furiously trying to type notes because all of the dialogue in this show happens at breakneck speed. Yeah. It's just line after line after line. 
they do squeeze an entire Star Trek episode into less than 30 minutes. That's fair. It's very fast paced. <laughs> and like I said, it, it, it may be different, you know, when I watch the second, third, fourth, sure. however many episodes are on here. And if I watch it again with my wife, because we couldn't watch it together, maybe it'll be different when I'm watching it with a different perspective. Not as someone who's trying to review an episode of a television show, but someone trying to enjoy something that they normally no, would I'm, enjoy. I'm sorry you didn't get to enjoy it as much. You should have. I mean, you should have just taken notes a second time around. Yeah, I didn't have time. <laughs> it still would have been shorter than most of the stuff we usually watch, watching this twice. Right. Yeah. I had There were time constraints I could not. No, you're good. You're good. Overall, I do have a positive impression of the show. Okay. Uh, the characters were pretty good, uh, with the exception of, what's her name? Mariner? Mariner. Yeah, she was a bit annoying. She's a bit much. Oh, uh, oh, I thought she was great. Oh, no, I thought uh. she was a bit much. <laughs> I liked her motivations. She was just, she was too, I think that that's the one character that's just over the top compared to everybody else. Like everyone else, a lot of them are caricatures of Star Trek, but she, she just talked too much. I, she solely existed to disrupt the plot. She did. So the little bit we learn about her at the very, very end, Probably makes her okay in the end. <laughs> I just didn't get why she was there. Not from a storytelling perspective, but from that character. Like, why is that character? Like, why is the fictional person, Beckett Mariner, even in Starfleet? What is she doing? But maybe that's something we'll learn. I don't know. Yeah, I would go ahead and spoil it. Uh, apparently her parents are an admiral and a captain of the ship that she's currently serving on, which is probably the reason why she's still in Starfleet. Which is also... hasn't been... Not kick nepotism at all. <laughs> well, I guess she was sent to the Cerritos as a last, di- like a last stop. Mm-hmm. I-, I mean, I don't know how it works in the military, but in a lot of jobs, if you are functionally unable to perform your task, regardless of whether it's competence or desire, you are usually shuffled from the amount of responsibilities you have until you are just let go. And yeah. I guess maybe that's what's going on. Cause she talks yeah. about how she was a top dog on a starship. She was in command. She hated it. Right. She's been demoted a few times. So yeah. It's her fifth ship. She said, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. What did you think, man? I liked it. I don't know how to counter all of your points. No, <laughs> not that I need to. I just, you gave, you said a lot and I don't know what I agreed with or what I didn't because I can't remember any of it. Fair enough. Overall, I had a positive impression. It's definitely feels like a continuation of that TNG era, that 90s era Star Trek in the setting and in the design and the references. But also, literally, it takes place in 2380, which is a year after Nemesis or the year after Nemesis. How many ever months later? Yeah. And 19 years before we start Star Trek Picard. So they have a lot of leeway with what they do, but it still feels very, very grounded. And I think TNG is probably... I don't want to say the most known. I, I think it's probably the most popular is the sure. TNG Deep Space Nine Voyager era. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, because it was in our lives for so long. You know, I, I mean, I get that the original series was big for our parents. And then there were six movies that a lot all of movies, took place yeah. during the, you know, the 70s, 80s. 80s, yeah. I think it, it what from 1987 all the way to what when did when was the last episode of Voyager like 2000? 14 years later. Yeah. So 2001 because Voyager picked up right after TNG did, and right. it was another seven years. So you disagree with a 32 percent audience score, right? I do. And here's okay. the thing: even if uh, I can already hear the nerds, I can feel them typing. 
<laughs> their hate mail. I'm feeling it. It's interesting we haven't got tweets already about this, and we haven't even sent this out yet. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's a comedy, which, once again, we've never had a comedy TV show set in the Star Trek universe. We've had comedies. Star Trek Four is a comedy. There are definitely episodes of television that were definitely comedies, but this is the first one set out like this. The knee-jerk reaction from having it compared to Rick and Morty, those two things combined. Plus, there's a certain subset of Star Trek fan that hates anything new. It does not matter what it is. So if you take those things all together, the fact that this thing has a 5.4 on IMDb is impressive. I'm looking at that right now. Did you look at the actual ratings breakdown? I don't ever look at that. How do I do that? 233 users gave this a 10. 263 users gave it a 1. There you go. 25% of all users that rated this show gave it a 1. Yeah. Which, now if I'm looking if I'm looking strictly at the maths. Where do you see that breakdown? Click on the, it says 5.4 out of 10 right below 1,054. Oh, you Click have a 54. Mine was 42. Those reviews oh. are coming in hot. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the maths, it appears that more people liked this show than didn't. Yes. Well, that's what 5.4 means. Well, yeah. But mm-hmm. what, I'm, what I'm saying is it appears that the one star rating is probably just people like, why did they do this? Why would oh. they have to make a, a Rick and Morty spinoff of Star Trek? Yeah. If we take it a step further, I'm looking at just the one star reviews. Yeah. Saturday morning cartoon drivel. Who thought this was a good idea? A spit on the face of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, An abysmal addition to the Star Trek universe. Oh, God. Get off your (laughs) high horse, man. It's like Star Trek V never happened. Come on now. Easy. (laughs) Easy. I will not hear this slander on my podcast. There's more than... There's one, two, like three or four of them. like, this is not Star Trek. This is a bad attempt at comedy or hey look we're trying to copy rick and morty so yeah it's just a knee-jerk reaction yeah the median score is seven yeah i mean so again i i had a lot of i mean yeah i I came out swinging probably a little negative but i have a lot of positive things to say about this show you came out hard man but i'm just stating the facts (laughs) i'm just i'm I'm, I'm just saying what everyone else is saying sure a lot of people are thinking this show is what a lot of people are thinking the show is, which is just a Rick and Morty Star Trek spinoff. I don't agree with that, but I don't know if I even like the show or not. <laughs> well, the show's not ridiculous. It's decently grounded. I, I It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> There's some bits, but it's not. Well, I don't the, know. I think Rick and Morty, I think freaking just stupid the, things, like real stupid situations. And this, there's some dumb situations, but it's all grounded in, hey, we're doing this thing. I don't know. All the ridiculous things that take place in this episode have taken place in other episodes of Star Trek. That is fair. For anyone who hasn't watched this episode, or uh, anyone who hasn't seen the show, or anyone who hasn't watched much Star Trek, this is based off an episode. Like, the whole idea for Lower Decks, the television show. There was an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Lower Decks. Yeah, I mentioned it. It was about four people who weren't command officers... They, I, I think very rarely any of them ever went on the bridge. And then just dealing with the everyday life of being on the Enterprise, the Enterprise D, excuse me. The whole point of having a show based on people who aren't the command structure, you know, not Captain Picard, not Riker. They're never going to be talk to a, a Klingon on the main view screen. 
And if they are, there's a serious issue on the ship. Is what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's a big, big problem. problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so the idea is, I think, a sound idea. Because I think Lower Decks, the episode of Star Trek Next Generation, is one of my favorite episodes in the oh, series. That's a great episode. The, the ridiculous things that happen, the outlandish, outrageous things that are happening in this episode have already happened. The idea that someone would bring aboard some infected, some infectious disease that would cause everyone on the ship to go crazy and start harming other people. I've seen like five episodes of that. <laughs> and I think I've sure. seen episodes like that in the same season of one of the shows. <laughs> so the idea that nothing in here is original is it's original in the way that we get to see other people dealing with it. So, yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I think it will probably get better as it goes. They signed a two season deal, so it's it's here regardless. Yeah. So I don't remember where we were in our. I think thoughts. technically we're ready for the plot breakdown. But before we do the plot breakdown, sure. Can we talk about what the title sequence? <laughs> it is part of my notes. Can we, let's let's just pull that out real quick. <laughs> I think the title sequence really encapsulates what the show is very 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 well. The title sequence, I don't remember the order in which it happens, but... No. They're flying around. Well, they're... Do spaceships fly? I don't think we ever figured this out. We talked about it on Transformers, but anyways. The opening notes of the theme song, very reminiscent of TNG. Might be the same notes. The actual music that plays throughout the title sequence is very, very, very Star Trek. I did notice that it doesn't... I don't think it's anything that's ever been done before. No, it is original. Yeah. It also uses the TNG font. So for fans of The Next Generation who never watched the original series, that opening theme is just a remixed version of that. Yeah. Our opening sequences of, I think, them flying around space, they hit like <laughs> an ice, like a, 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 iceberg. a space iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> it like damages one of the nacelles. I think another one is there. They roll up on a bunch of Romulan warbirds war fighting board cubes and then they just kind of reverse and back out. And they just leave. I thought that was really cool because that ties into Picard a little bit since this takes place in between yeah. that, that time frame. Then they are they're at warp speed. The ship is moving from right to left and there's some creature sucking on one of the nacelles. <laughs> which I think has happened before in an episode of in TNG. Yeah. If I'm missing anything, I didn't. No, I just in general. It. The whole sequence just feels Star Trek. Every little thing it does is looks like it would come out of the Voyager or the Deep Space Nine or TNG title sequence, but then it's all kind of twisted at the end. I liked it a lot. I chuckled during the title sequence. Yeah. I don't plan on skipping it. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down here that there is a bunch of shots of this ship having quote-unquote issues. Yeah. Those are my notes on the title sequence. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do the plot breakdown now? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Sorry. I didn't mean to no, halt it down. No, it's fine. This. Hey, man, this is your podcast, too. I mean, sometimes, yeah. You get to edit it, so feel oh, free to, God. <laughs> to stop me. When and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Our first shot of this show is actually a shot of a space dock or a space dock. I don't know if it's the space dock orbiting Earth. We get a captain's log of the ship being docked for repairs. They're going to the Galar system for second contact. Yeah. The lesser known of the contacts besides first contact. Third contact. <laughs> we actually get a shot of an ensign, which is strange because they said Captain's Log at the beginning, and it is one of our title characters, Ensign Boilmer, Bulmer, Boimler, something um, like that. Brad. I didn't write down it. Boimler. 
Oh, his bomb. first name is Brad. I didn't write down any first names. Oh, come on. He looked um, like a Brad. I just guessed. No. That's Wikipedia says Brad. He's in a closet, apparently, because someone opens the door. It's our second main character, Ensign Mariner. And uh, he's rather embarrassed. Apparently, he's keeping logs, but he's doing it in private in a closet because he's pretending to be the captain. Which I've done as a child. <laughs> A little recorder. That's the first thing you do when you can record your voice with a little thing. Well, he he gets uh, he gets assaulted actually yeah. by this person. Like yeah. she throws him around. I think she kicks him once or twice. Uh, and apparently she's drunk. She is sucking down some Romulan whiskey. Bullmere says that's against regulations. Ooh. She. I think she says that she has a whole box full of contraband because since she whips out a batleth. Yeah. And uh, swings at him a few times and then actually manages to dig into his inner thigh, which I thought actually would have probably killed him because I think she would have hit Possibly. the femoral artery. Possibly. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask um, you which, several, but you first. Enough. Do you know why Romulan alcohol is illegal in the Federation? I know that it's a running gag. It's like the Cuban cigars of Star Trek. Well, it's just it's a trade embargo. Yeah. That's all. Well, I know it was. A, oh, OK. I didn't know if it was something yeah. else related. I ask that question sometimes and people are like, oh, well, maybe it's too powerful. That's blood wine. That's a completely different thing. (laughs) Do you think that that was Romulan whiskey or Romulan ale? And she was too drunk to know the difference. I don't know because it looks exactly like the Romulan ale that they drink in the Undiscovered Country. It does. It would make sense that they would also have other types of drink. Right. But it also would make sense in this in this case for the character to, to call it the wrong thing. So I don't know. What's funny is Romulan ale. Do you know what ale is in terms of alcohol? It's like a beer. Right. Yeah, it's a beer. But normally when they drink Romulan ale, they drink it like a whiskey or a yeah, brandy like a, or, yeah. con- or cognac. So yeah, yeah. maybe maybe that's like the reference here. Oh, it's like a it's a joke. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Way deep in there. Maybe. Yeah. It would not put it past them. When I started drinking when I was legally able to drink, I remember going back and watching an episode and I was like, why isn't it in a can or like a bottle <laughs> with a pop top? That's synthahol. That's completely different. <laughs> What's that uh, That episode with the speaking of the Irish where they rescue those people who try to start mm-hmm. a fire on one of the, the cargo holds? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They start the Worf fire. Gives him, mm-hmm. yeah, Worf gives him some drink and he's like, it's like, oh, great. They're real alcohol. Thanks, Worf. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the difference. I don't know if there is a difference. Maybe that's a translation thing. Maybe. No, who knows, right? No, I just thought it was interesting. She said whiskey, and I was like, wait, wait, whiskey? I think I missed the next five seconds of (laughs) dialogue. I was trying to figure out that they turned that joke on its head very, very quickly. And then her playing with the Batleth, screaming in her her, her Klingon voice. (laughs) (laughs) What are your other questions? You said you had several. You know, I have to one-up you, so I said several. Ah, fair enough. Well, uh, when are you going to do that? Man, uh, you'll probably <laughs> die before I do, so I have some time. So we get our title sequence, which you already mentioned. Yeah. A, sh- a shuttle arrives in the shuttle bay. Several people get off this shuttle, and then a, a-, a green woman yeah. is uh, standing there, and she gets off. She introduces herself as Ensign something Tendi, and then she's trying to talk to her, this person, and he's just like, hey, keep it moving, Lower Decks. I thought that was kind of funny. She meets Ensign Boilmer. He is apparently her orientation liaison. Yeah. So she later reveals that she's an Orion girl, which if you don't know anything about yeah. Star Trek, Orion women apparently like excrete like a pheromone 
that allows them to essentially influence and control men. Still not yeah. sure why they're allowed on starships. <laughs> like, I mean, they let Bajorans, not Bajorans, ugh, Beta Zed, the other B word. They have yeah. psychic abilities and can tell what people are thinking. I mean, right. you know, you, you trust I'll people. Do. It's to, you trust It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. This is what, the second Orion we've seen in Starfleet? Yes, I think. First was from the Star Trek 2009 movie? Yes. Yeah. Bulmir. He introduces himself as Command Division, which he's wearing a red shirt. Yeah. So she freaks out a little bit. She's like, oh, I'm in the science division. Mariner, the ensign from earlier, who assaulted Wilmer, she uh, clarifies that they are commanders in training. They're both in the command division. Uh, And Wilmer tells Tindy that with hard work, she can become the chief medical officer. You know, if you yeah, uh, you zip up hard. your boots and uh, fold your sheet appropriately. That you can... <laughs> yeah, that, that'll lead to you being a better doctor. Yeah, exactly. Mariner doesn't feel the same. She says, I've been there. I've done that. She says that whenever you do think for yourself, they just knock you down, put you back in line. Boilmer calls her out and says, you know, for someone who hates rank, she brings it up all the time. And then she immediately says, thanks for mentioning that. I'm complicated. And I was like, ugh. Uh, uh, it was equal parts annoying. Uh, I mean, because that's that's a that's a kind of a tropey line. Well, for someone who doesn't like blah, blah, you sure talk about it a whole lot. So the fact that she just rolled with it instead of it starting whatever that trope normally goes to was kind of nice. But it was still tropey. Yeah. We talk about the broken replicator right there. Oh, it's just spitting out hot bananas. <laughs> that was the best joke of the whole because banana hot and just throwing out bananas. <laughs> They decide to give her a tour. They look at like a, a cross-section map of the ship. There's lots of ops and storage facilities. Fair enough. And then she's like, are we up here? And they point to like the saucer section. Boilmer's like, no, 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 we're down here. And they point down towards the nacelle area, which if you look at a picture of the Cerritos, um, I think it was designed intentionally to make fun of the Federation ship design because people get into turbo lifts and they're in there forever. But the ship isn't that big, so where do they go? Hmm. People who question Star Trek are always like, well, why are the turbo lifts? Why, why do they take so long to get places? It's like, oh, it's a show, man. <laughs> well, I don't know. What, I don't, what do you want me to say? Mariner reinforces that the upper decks are lame, hmm. except for the bar, apparently. And the bridge, but yeah. she doesn't like the bridge. She wouldn't. <laughs> Mom's they roll there. over and uh, meet another ensign called Rutherford. He is an engineer who also happens to be a cyborg. Uh, he's a new cyborg, uh, and his implants give him some issues because several times in this episode, it kind of like shocks him. Apparently, he has a date with a really hot ensign, who I think was a trill, right? Yes. She was a trill. She was a trill. Okay. Someone asks him, like, oh, are you freaking out? And he's like, no, I'm actually not. And then Mariner removes a module from his implant, and then he starts freaking out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Later revealed that the module he has is Vulcan, and it keeps accidentally suppressing his emotions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is not logical. Uh, That was pretty good. Mariner does not give a very professional tour, which I have down here is probably the point. They sleep in hallways or they sleep. I don't know if they sleep in hallways, but I guess the because there's no barracks on a ship. And I've actually been on a ship. Have you ever been on a like a U.S. military warship? Once and not for very long. Mm. They actually have like bunks like this. Bunks. That's the word I'm looking for. Bunks. Yeah. Bunks. It just happens to be a hallway where they sleep. The shower area is right next to them. Someone mentions it being musty, which is weird because they're sonic showers. Fair enough. Yeah. Tindy isn't paying attention because she runs over to a viewport 
uh, looking at the rear of the ship. And I thought this actually was a really cool shot of them flying through space, looking at the back of the nacelles, like watching the, the warp speed. That was yeah. pretty neat. Yeah, that was a really cool shot. It's a shot we've seen before, I, I feel, but not from that, like from the inside out view. That was really cool. Yeah. Bolmir, he's like, you, we got to get you to medical, but Mariner wants to go to the holodeck. They end up going to the holodeck. They first are at a beach in Hawaii, and then Tendi sends them to Orion, yeah. and then Boilmer sends them to the warp core. God, that. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's pretty boring. And then he gets he gets a message. He needs to report to the bridge immediately. So he leaves. They are in orbit of Galar, Ranson, which I guess he's the first officer. He's Commander Ranson. He's talking to the. Well, so they're on a planet called Galar, but the people who live there are called the Galardonians? Sure. Whatever. We live on the planet Earth and we're called human. They don't have to be the same. I mean, we're Earthlings. We're Earthicans. <laughs> we're Earthicans. Earthodonians. <laughs> I prefer to call Earth Terra for the glorious emperor of mankind. So we're Terrans. <laughs> Ransom, the commander, is he's like, you know, hey, we're glad to be back here. We're going to get this communications array up and running. Then he gets bit on the neck by some kind of insect or something. He itches it a little bit. They get beamed back up. He's still itching it. He's talking to someone else, and then they agree to get a beer afterwards, and they do like this really lame handshake thing, mm. and then uh, split up. Bolmir appears on the bridge. He gets off the turbo lift. He's panicky, and in fact, Commander Ransom asks him what he's doing on the bridge, which I think is fair. That's one of your jobs, you know, when you're in charge of personnel is trying to figure out, you know, why people aren't what's doing what they're supposed to be doing. The captain makes Ranson report in, immediately interrupting the little to-do about why he isn't at his post. He tells her what's going on. She's like, great. And then she's like, Ensign, you're with me. And then we zoom in on Ranson's neck and he has a big purple thing on it. Yeah. <gasps> I wonder if that's going to be important. Nah. Oh, what okay. if it was just a birthmark and we know just never talk about it ever again? It just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you subvert expectations, Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. So the captain... Uh, at first, we think we're, this is a performance review. She's like, yeah, you know, you enlisted in blah, blah, blah. You've never had a single demerit. You have the desire to sit in the captain's chair. And he's like, yeah, I do. And then she's like, great. Well, I'm going to give you a special assignment. You need to keep an eye on Ensign Mariner. And you mm. will report to me any breaches in protocol. I think she also calls her a subversive agent. Or maybe she says that later on Yeah, in the episode. But this is a need-to-know assignment. She's like, you will be reporting only to me. Hmm. So. Yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> At this point in the show, obviously, we don't know that they're related. So it's like, oh, what is Mariner? What's going on? Obviously, Boimer. Boimer? Boimer? Boromir also doesn't know that they're related. Right. I don't think anyone does. Yeah. On the ship. I mean, obviously, the two of them know. Yeah. At the very well, I was going to say maybe the commander. Oh, second. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Ship's counselor or something. Yeah. You know I mean, if they have one, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, she wear a jumpsuit. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that he, she would have him do that. It sets this intrigue up. Looking back at it now, knowing why she was having him do that, it's unprofessional. <laughs> And are you telling me this ship doesn't have cameras everywhere? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, why? Mm, you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's so far in the future. I assume they could be like, yeah, let's see what happened here. How many Star Trek plots 
would be resolved if it was just like, yeah, like, what, what were the cameras like in that room or in that hallway or in that deck <laughs> at this time? Right. Uh, all right. Moving on. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's not the first unprofessional captain me and you have reviewed. <laughs> well, uh, let's see if she manages to get this ship blown up. <laughs> so Rutherford is on his date with the ensign. They're having a pretty good time so far. His implant messes up and he says something is illogical. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's my implant. It's Vulcan. I'm I'm a new cyborg. And she's like, no, that's fine. My dad was a cyborg. Okay, <laughs> great. Yeah. And then we are in the teleporter room now. Uh, Mariner makes fun of Boilmer. Uh, well, so when Boilmer was going up to the ship, she was making fun of him to Tindy saying what he only goes up there when someone spills their coffee or needs like a food tray or something. <laughs> when they're in the teleporter room, she's like, did Shax spill his latte? He's got those big arms and tiny hands and he doesn't appear to be in the mood for jokes because he doesn't really say anything. And then she's kind of looking at him funny. They beam down to the planet where it's time to set up their communications array. We cut back to the bar. Rutherford and the Sensen are talking. And then in the background, we see Ransom or Ransom. And we zoom in on him, and then that purple thing turns mm. black, Uh-oh. spreads to the rest of his body. Uh-oh. He becomes, what I have here is a weird zombie thing. Yeah. Who then bites some other people. And while this is all going down, people are firing phasers. They're like, sets phasers to stun, and they're shooting, and then they flip over their table, and Rutherford and his date are like still talking, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty funny. They're, just, they're very cash. About the whole How thing. often does this type of thing happen? And then I think back to Star Trek episodes I've seen. I was like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I saw a Reddit post at one at one point semi-recently that talked about how being a civilian on the Enterprise D would be a nightmare. Like counting how many times a season you're a, you're on the verge of death. 12 <laughs> or 14 or something like that? That's like too many times in a year, man. I mean, working on the Enterprise D. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> would just be a nightmare. Tendi finally arrives at medical and as she enters uh i have here that it's a nightmare people are freaking out there is a doctor who looks like a cat yeah i liked that kind of cat person she's like i'm supposed to be meeting a lieutenant blah 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 or nurse eastwood or something like that Mm -hmm. and then she's like he's right over there you need to tie him down so she's tying him down (laughs) now we're back on the planet boilmere watches mariner drive away in a buggy or some kind of vehicle, and it's got what looks like an equipment cache on the back of it. He follows her, and he pops out, and he's like, Aha, I gotcha! And I think he accuses her of selling weapons and spouts off a bunch of regulations. And it is real that it's just farm equipment. I like that when he's he spouts off regulations, she's like, well, also these regulations. Like, she knows the regulations better than he does. Yeah. I thought it was great. This whole exchange frightens off the Galardonians. And they run into a building which has a giant spider thing. She charges them, scares them away, and uh, they're kind of hiding. And he accuses her of abandoning her post. And she's like, look, I'm out here just trying to provide these guys with some equipment, you know, because they can't wait for Starfleet's bureaucracy to, or bureaucracy to, to provide them with the equipment they need. I just want to make sure that they survive, they don't die out here. And she's like, look, I, I was on this planet for first contact on the Quido. And she accuses him of only knowing what's in the manuals, mm. which is, I mean, it's a fair thing. Like, it's the whole idea of being, like, out in the field as opposed to being recently assigned. But she has a plan to catch the spider thing because these Gallardonians rely on these things to survive and they can't stun it. 
because it'll ruin the milk that it may or may not have. <laughs> and then she wants him to take off his clothes. And the reason why is because they're going to make dummies out of these clothes. So they jump on it while it's distracted. But Boilmere doesn't make it on the back. He lands almost directly in its mouth and it starts sucking on him. <laughs> but apparently this herbivore is a, or this spider thing is a herbivore. So it's just suckling the moisture from his skin. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just sucking him in and out. Yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. We're back on the ship, on the Cerritos. Rutherford and his date are now trying to get to a rally point. They're outside on the ship talking about the monkeys and music it reminded me a lot of the shot from star trek first contact yeah. not the episode first contact from next generation <laughs> but the movie first contact from next generation that whole that sure. camera angle and everything right and just how are the monkeys still a band still like referenced how are the monkey like out of all the bands they had i guess that's that's just maybe that's the joke i think it was just an opportunity to him for say well I guess you could say that I'm a believer. <laughs> I don't know, man. Okay. So they're outside using, you know, you know, spacesuits and they've got magnetic boots and they're walking on the, the hull of the ship. I guess they get to airlock, travel down in an elevator. They're trying to get in. Like they run up to the rally point, but it doesn't open immediately. And they finally manage to get in. The doors close behind them. And this girl, I guess, uh, the excitement has thrilled her oh the date's been going really well they've connected on a lot of levels a lot of the conversations are going well they're going through a life and death situation together right away she is very interested in him but he's more interested in the fact that the the doors didn't open immediately in an emergency situation and uh she just kind of like gets miffed and walks away and he's just standing there next to the door with his tricorder out yeah messing with it yeah (laughs) and then uh we cut back to the medical bay Tindy is now pumping someone's heart manually. Like she's just holding, holding it, it and squeezing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's weird. I don't yeah. think you can actually do that. But uh, sure. Who knows? I mean, she's an Orion. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's in the future. Who knows? Boilmer and Mariner are driving back to the meeting point. He doesn't have his uniform anymore because it was torn to shreds. He's wearing like a one-armed overall. Uh, he's covered in a goo. Apparently it's gone sideways since they've been gone. Uh, yeah. Because they teleport back onto the ship. Is it teleport and, uh, or transport? I guess they transport. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a tele. Is it a transporter pad or a teleporter pad? No, it's a, I don't trans- know. It's a transporter. Yeah. Which is they, now weird because it is a tele- their teleporter? Transporter? Mo- their no, I don't molecules know. are broken down, shot all the way into space, and are reintegrated on the, tele- the, the transporter pad. Yeah, transporter. As soon as they arrive, they notice that everything has gone sideways, like I was saying. There is a guy named Shax. I guess he's uh, he is a, a, a Bajoran security, like the security chief. Yeah, he's Worf. Yeah, he's holding the door back by himself against these weird zombie things. His recommendation is that they blow up the warp core. <laughs> you know, sure, yeah, why not? Why right not? next to a planet. Let's just blow <laughs> Let's up the warp Let's do it, core. yeah. Yeah. Boilmer is standing there, and he's covered with this goo, and then... The cat person, which is I find out later is Dr. Tam, swipes a sample off, of, sticks it on their tricorder, and then figures out that this substance, if they can synthesize it, apparently can save everybody. They move out. We get a really interesting sequence of them running to the medical bay. This sequence seemed very um, 
at least the part where they were running and you actually see the hallway was very mm-hmm. Castle Crashers to me. I don't know why I thought of Castle oh, Crashers. I didn't think of that. Well, because they're are they all in just the bright colored uniforms and yeah, maybe Shaxx looks like it when you would like eat the sandwich. Oh yeah, get you know all what big. I'm talking about. Apparently, the slime can neutralize the rage effect. Makes so they sense. test it on Ranson. He immediately returns to his normal self, and then they turn it into a gas, disperse it through the ship. Everyone gets fixed. And then the command crew runs off making jokes about how Dr. Tan can finally publish her research on something, you know, whatever. And she complains about it just being a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The lower decks, the four of them lean against the door. Marin is like, you still happy to be here? And she's like, heck yeah, I am. I got to hold a heart. (laughs) Fair, Fair enough. Yeah. We're getting another captain's log, this time the real captain's log thanking Dr. Tana solely for her efforts. While Bulmer is in the room, she gets his name wrong. Hmm. He corrects her. Would you get in trouble if he corrected your superior officer for mispronouncing your name? No. Or just getting your name completely wrong? I don't think so, no. Hmm. Fair enough. It's not the first time we've seen someone do that. Ensign Rowe did that to Captain Picard when she was introduced. Yeah. Because he mixed up her surname and given name. Right. It's also uh, Johnny Luke. He's a little cooler than uh, this Captain yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, just a little. He has nothing to report to her, and she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, we were, we went down there, we got the communications array fixed, and we or set up, and we beamed back aboard. She's like, the report here says you were covered in bite marks and wearing an alien smock. And then he just casually remarks that the goo that saved the ship may have made his memory a little hazy. Mm. Which made me giggle a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, you get a little bit of a backbone all of a sudden. That's nice. Yeah. The captain sighs, and she only cares about Mariner being insubordinate, apparently. And uh, Bulmer leaves. I guess he gets dismissed, but he leaves. And then the captain immediately gets a subspace message Mm. from someone who appears to be an admiral. She's like, I want to throw Mariner in the brig. And then this admiral's like, no, uh, that won't work. She likes the brig. (laughs) Captain's like, look, you told me if it didn't work out here, we would transfer back to Quido. And then it is revealed that they these people are married. Or at least both parents to Mariner. I don't know if they're married or not. It's implied that they're a couple. Yeah. Because she stands up and starts yelling at him and he kind of slinks into his chair like a simp. Pretends that the radio is broken and cuts off his transmission. Uh, (laughs) He's the admiral. What does he mean? He's got to pretend to do that. He's not an admiral in that situation. (laughs) Husband first, admiral second, huh? I guess. We cut to a bar. or The bar. Tindy and Rutherford are talking about his date. And he's like, yeah, you know, she was nice. And we had a lot of stuff in common. And, I, you know, I liked her. But I don't think I'm going to see her again. And Tindy's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, well, she wasn't really interested in why these bulkhead wouldn't open for us in an emergency situation. And then Tindy is fascinated by the doors not opening. And I, I think this is my favorite line yeah. of the episode, which is, who has time for romance when there is a level two diagnostic just sitting there waiting to be done? Tindy's reaction could go either way for a, for a moment, and I like the way it went. Yeah. Nerds, he has. They are he's just got a good point. Just the biggest nerds. <laughs> Love it. He's got a great point, man. I'm yeah. Just saying. Yeah. What are you, What are we doing? <laughs> Bolmir approaches Mariner, and he well. So while they were on the planet, he tells her that the captain gave me an assignment to report any breaches of protocol to her, and then he admits to her while they're at the bar that I didn't tell her anything. 
And then so she kind of freaks out and thanks him. And she's like, great, I'm going to be your mentor. And he, he's very reluctant. He's like, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, she's like, we're going to make you captain. I'm like, what? Yeah. All right. She starts talking about Klingon, Spock, Troy's outfit, and then the episode ends. Yeah. So, Anthony. Yeah. Did you like this episode? I did like this episode. I think like my only big thing is I think Mariner is a bit much, but <laughs> hopefully that you no, know, it's just leading into her character development or what have you. I liked it a lot. I love we we skipped some references for sure. Like just that's the thing with this this show is I think just going through the plot misses a lot of the nuance, the Star Trek well, in the background that's going on. I liked it quite a bit. That's the I guess the the upside and the downside to satire, right? Is it satire? Well, it's poking fun of itself. It's self-referential humor, maybe. I don't think it's satire. Spoofing a well, little bit. So is is Galaxy Quest satire? That's more of a spoof. I'm going to Google it and make sure I'm not an idiot. But Sure. Yeah, I mean, let's use the right terms. A parody or a spoof parody. is a literary right competition that mimics yeah. another author's work in a humorous, humorous way, and a satire is used to make a point. By mocking okay. people. So this is definitely not satire. A spoof yeah. is light-humored or senseless gag to make people laugh. So it's somewhere between yeah. parody and, and spoof. I, you can't really call it a parody since it's canon Star Trek at this point, right? There is still parody. Sure. What I was trying to say is the upside and downside of a parody of anything is if you don't actually see what's being done or hear what's being done or read about what's being done, you miss a lot of the inside jokes like in Galaxy Quest when they're trying to shut down that device and they have to go through this crazy tunnel <laughs> that's got like yeah. flamethrowers and pistons that like that smash oh, together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why do we have to do this? It's like, well, because someone did something very stupid or very similar in an episode of TOS, you know, but yeah, there, there are a lot of references. I, I missed it. Hold on a second. Uh, at the beginning, when Tendi gets off the shuttle, there is a Benzite standing behind her. Yeah. That's a that's a joke because there's an episode of The Next Generation where a Benzite is on the Enterprise and goes through orientation and um, has to deal mm-hmm. with like being the small fish in the big pond. Like it was just funny when I saw him. I was like, yeah. eh, Mindon. There's a bunch of other little tiny references. Mariner talking about having to fight for her shoes in a Klingon prison is yeah. obviously a reference to Undiscovered Country. Yeah. He wants your shoes. <laughs> or, have you ever been you ever been trapped in a sentient cave? That's a dark place that knows things. <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's a reference to original series and a joke about it at the same time. Yeah. I liked a lot of those those things. So there's a lot there. If you like Star Trek, like if you really, really, really like Star Trek and you, you don't watch this show because for the same reasons why people who watch it give it a thirty two percent rating. You're like, eh, it's like Rick and Morty, but it's a comedy. You're going to miss the little things. Mariner's a big thing. I'm hopefully she'll do better because she just seemed a little over the top. And even the way she's animated sometimes, like when she's fighting at the beginning, you're saying like he kicked him like four times. I was like, yeah, that's a bit much. Like it's just a little too much. And maybe that's what's turning some people off because it is right at the beginning. It is the cold open. A lot of things I, I loved was there was a little bit more variety in the people, the species we got to see. Obviously, we have a main character who's an Orion. We got a cyborg main character. The cat person, the Cation, there was, or I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, in the original animated series and the animated series, there was a Cation character. Mm. That's how, that's where it was first introduced. And there was one in one of the movies, uh, one of the uh, TOS era movies, a couple of them. That's a cool throwback. There's a Bajoran there. You mentioned the Trill. So there's just a lot of those little things that I liked quite a bit. 
Yeah, Ranson is like mm-hmm. he's like Riker, except he's a little a bag. He's like an over the top yeah. version of Riker. I could see the captain easily becoming more three dimensional as she's dealing with being the captain of a starship, even if it's not <laughs> the biggest and best ship. Still, a starship. She's the captain of, and having to deal with family issues at the same time. You know, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of potential there. I think as a pilot, it, it does a good job. It's basically Star Trek where the A and B stories are flipped. And Voyager or Enterprise or Next Generation, the main plot line would have been the zombie rage virus on the ship yeah. and not them two down on the planet dealing with whether or not she stole equipment or whether it's right for her to have stolen equipment and given it away or whatever, right? Well, yeah, they use the catastrophe on the ship as a as a joke. Right. It's kind of the, it's the backdrop for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's that's the whole point of lower decks and i think that even happens in the the episode lower decks of tng is all mm-hmm. this stuff gets happening on the ship and they're, they're just kind of hanging around dealing with the side effects of it like could you imagine being um was a uh, in star trek generations stellar cartography like can you imagine being someone who's just in charge of looking at maps of solar systems you sit down at your desk Look, or man. whatever and your commanding officer Whoever is like hands you an assignment, like, "Hey, man, we're gonna we're gonna be in this area in the next like four solar days. You need to figure out if there's anything of value in there." And then, as you're looking through the maps, you're like, "Oh, great! There's two M-class planets in this why solar system. Why does stellar you know? cartography exist? I don't know. <laughs> so they could have a really cool scene with a giant wall. That movie. No, let's not get started. <laughs> Let's not get so, started. The computer yeah, like could it, do everything that was in there. Like it was just, yeah, computer, show me this. So it would show them that there's no reason for stellar cartography. I don't well, need a navigator now. Well, I mean, that's what it was doing because data is a computer. Right. So. Oh, well, um, oh, man. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, that's a whole no. other. Thank you for saying that because now I'm not going to get hate mail for what I said earlier. I'm going to hate mail for that. It's perfect. But yeah, imagine having just some random job that doesn't have anything to do with being in command of a starship and then all of a sudden you get attacked by a klingon bird of prey yeah you're just hanging out in your office during a red (laughs) alert you can't go anywhere you can't do anything and you're just the replicators are down because they pulled all the power to shields and you're stuck in there you haven't eaten in six hours yeah who knows yeah who knows that could see that actually being an episode of this show so who knows (laughs) no man so i mean i gave my opinion i i'm pretty positive i'm looking forward to watching more of it i really really am but how are you feeling about it I know you said you were kind of uneven at the beginning, going through the plot again, hearing me talk about it. Anything you want to add? I'm still in the middle. I just, I don't, like, I think I'm going to have to watch another episode. And and since this is, I think this is the first instance of any show that we've watched where we couldn't immediately watch the second episode. Because this is being, while it is straight to stream, it is being treated like a traditional cable television show with weekly releases. So yeah. we will have to wait until, like, what, Thursday for the next one comes out? Yep, every Thursday. I don't know. I'm still in the middle. I could lead either way. I thought Mariner, while while her character was great, I will agree that the way that she is shown, mm-hmm. this is where, to me, the Rick and Morty comparison is really apt because she's sure. just, she acts like Rick. A little, yeah. I mean, she's breaking the fourth wall in almost every scene that she's in. Well, maybe not the fourth wall. She's like Deadpool, but not as funny sure. to me. I don't I know. I can see that comparison. I'll seed that point for sure but her care her character is great it's very rare that you have someone who has been in command because she could have been a bridge officer yeah she could have been ops she could have be uh maybe she was in charge of a 
communications up there. And then for whatever reason, her career went sideways and now she's been busted down to the lower decks. So the idea of her character, I think, is really intriguing. Uh, The execution of her character, I don't know. You said what I wanted to say, but better. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. But I mean, in terms of being a pilot, because we judge the show based on the pilot. Yeah. I think it does a pretty good job as a pilot. It really lays out everything that needs to be known about this show. It is going to spoof Star Trek. And, you know, the knee-jerk hate reaction, I don't want to say it's appropriate or not. You are right. People who who are Star Trek and even to a certain degree Star Wars fans, if something is new, they're not going to like it for whatever reason. I guess any big franchise. Yeah. It's this is different. I don't want to be part of it. And if you like Star Trek, give it a shot. You might like it. Yeah. I think it pays homage just as much as it spoofs, at least in this pilot. That's the feeling I get. Are you going to watch another episode? Uh, well, I think I have to, only because I can't. I can't just watch one episode and base my entire opinion. Okay. Um, so, but I think I think I will. That question you always ask me is: this worth the price of subscription, the six bucks or whatever it is, mm. for a whole new streaming service? <laughs> oh man, Come I know on. my answer. I'm undecided. I really am. I'm undecided. Like I, I don't want to say yes. I don't want to say no. Gotcha. That's my first undecided. I don't want to start a conversation about the other Star Trek shows, but looking through CBS Access, those are the only shows I probably watch. And I bet you they air them in such a way to where I can't just, you know, do it all at once. <laughs> so, uh, same, 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 same. All right, man. Awesome. <gasps> what is it, Chris? I forgot my fun facts. Oh, you had fun facts? Do I need it? Am I, I, I going to have to put them back in the middle I of it somewhere? So. My first fun fact is this one of the executive producers of the show is Rod Roddenberry. Yes, he's executive producer, I think, on everything Star Trek. Son of Gene Roddenberry and uh, Majel Barrett. Yeah. Also known as uh, Waxana Troy or Laxana Troy, I think. Or uh, as she's usually called, Computer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's also the voice of the ship's computer in all in all star trek all the way up through the 2009 movie i think she finished that before she died yeah before she passed i was reading somewhere that she also recorded a bunch of dialogue so she could be used for other things oh so, okay my other fun fact is the uss cerritos mm-hmm. uh, cerritos is spanish for little hills yeah kind of funny that a ship an insignificant ship would be called little hills and they just have like i said it just has a wonk space uh, a, a wonk starship design yeah it looks like something fits the era for sure it's just massive yeah. <laughs> it is a california class ship yeah 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 hmm. so my other fun fact is that jerry o'connell is in this show i don't know and who so that is. is uh fred i'm gonna mispronounce this guy's name test Testascore, Testafiore. i don't know how to pronounce it and i apologize fred if you don't recognize that name you might recognize him as a voice from a game that you have played, Halo mm. 4. He is, what's his face? The bad guy. The big bad guy. Oh, the big floaty forerunner dude. Uh, the didact? I think so. I think that's him. Hmm. He's done a lot of stuff. He's a, He is a prolific voice actor. All right. He's cool. done a lot of things. But yeah, no, that's, a, that's all I got. <laughs> this is my fun facts. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> I think that'll about do it for me. I think it'll do it for me. Well, if y'all agreed, or more importantly, and more likely, disagreed with (laughs) anything or everything that we said today, 
feel free to let us know about it. We're always open to getting different opinions or viewpoints and anything we talk about. I know Star Trek's got a large fan base. They like a lot of different things. If there's one thing Star Trek fans love more than Star Trek, it's debating Star Trek. <laughs> but you can email us at scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. Let us know what's up. Also give us suggestions for other things we should watch. Anything science fiction or science fiction adjacent, movies, television, whatever, let us know. Uh, if you'd like to tweet us, you can tweet at us at B underscore role podcast. Follow us there as well. Uh, you get announcements for new, when new shows are released or new episodes are released. We talk about when we're making new things, that type of thing. Keep on the up and up. And of course, if you like the show, you want to support it, hit that follow, subscribe, like, heart, whatever button it is on the streaming uh, streaming podcast service you're using i think all of them call it something different if you leave a review we'd really appreciate that that five-star review especially on itunes it helps the show get noticed more by more people so that you know more people can agree with you about how much our opinions are horrible am i missing anything chris uh did we patreon we do have a patreon thank you for reminding me if you really like the show and you want to throw uh, some of your hard-earned cash our way. We'd really appreciate it. Do that at patreon.com slash B underscore roll. All the Patreon money goes towards, of course, uh, hosting fees, new equipment, just anything we need to keep the uh, the podcast afloat and to make it better. Uh, we do post episodes early there, some behind-the-scenes snippets, making ofs, that type of thing. Anything that we cut because it's just way too off-topic will eventually make its way onto the Patreon. So if you just can't get enough of my voice, which I completely understand... <laughs> You can hit us up there. You want to roll us out? Yeah. You know, we want to thank everyone for listening. You know, it's the year 2020. It's getting, it, well, it's getting, it's gotten rough. Times are hard with the pandemic. You know, like Anthony said earlier, you know, we appreciate anything that you can spare, whether it's your time, your money, or your patience. We just want everyone to stay healthy, stay hydrated, listen to our podcast, and know that you are loved by our podcast hosts. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Bye. What if it's just me humming the Star Trek theme song? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what we need to do. That's great. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that'll, that's freaking great. Let's do that as, uh, let's just do that as the intro music, just me and you. We'll record something. All right, that'll be our Wednesday recording. Uh, no. No. <laughs>